places can contain pieces of our souls. A Sandman Potvik, Part 3 of The Reasons Verse Written by Blue Sunshine and read by Literarian Chapter 13 Dream has known, from Hobbes' other landscapes, that his friend did know how to blend his colours and layer his paints. Still, he finds himself touched by the devotion to the details and the depth of the painting, most crisp and clear around the edges, drawing the gaze inward and upwards into that spread of starry, blazing skies, and then turning hazy in the unending distance of the horizon, not unlike the way the details of a dream only matter when they are right before you, fading into a haze of intent more than anything precise, as the dreamer continues the story. Hop grins brightly, but there is an edge of nervousness to him as he leads Dream towards his truly impressive canvas once more, offering him a seat, no doubt so that he may fuss and go prepare a beverage Dream will accept, but likely not partake of. Dream moves past the offered sofa and settles himself down on the floor instead, peering up at the perspective. Mincemeat joins him, stalking into the living area and then slowly stretching out each leg until it happened to carry her near to his knee, where she turns around and sits down beside him, ear twitching, tail curling around her paws, her gaze elsewhere. Hop puzzles over them both for a moment and then, with a shrug, still goes off to get something to drink, at least, ever a courteous host. Dream allows his eyes to take him over stark shadows and curling, shining frost, roaming outwards over dusk evening hills, over a shining river, over a dream-hazed horizon and up into endless, colour-strewn, burning stars. He could see the cold in it, Feel it as it lingered across his realm, as it lingered within him. He can even sense a measure of it in the way that any facsimile of day within the painting has clearly faded to all but its last gasp left shining upon the water and in the faintest dim humour of that far horizon. For a painting of its breadth and span it is, in spite of... No, not spite this time. It is, in the intent of Hop's deep, detailed layers, still overall quite stark, quite dark. All the better, then, he supposes, thinking of his friend's unexpectedly charming remarks when they spoke of it last, to see where it does shine in faint metallics as well as cleverly done blendings and highlights. Hop rejoins himself and Mincemeat, sitting down on the floor beside them and handing over a heated drink that smells strongly of dark chocolate and sweet spices and some kind of malty liquor. Dream inhales the vapours, if nothing else. It is pleasant, 
each note teasing his palate as it transforms upon the air in every faint curl of steam. What do you think, then? Hop asks, still grinning that faintly nervous grin, revealing itself in the pinched curve of his eyes as he glances aside at Dream, cradling his own mug in his hands. Dream smiles, the expression no doubt as faint as it is wry. It is a wondrous likeness, he answers. Hop's nervousness lessens, face brightening. You think so? He beams, seeming quite pleased of it. You aren't still displeased of my inspiration? He questions, sinking quickly back into nervousness again, a shadow of the same hesitant forwardness which had gone on to spurn them both over a century ago. Dream studies his friend's face for a long moment, Hop slowly shirking back, if only because his speculation lingers well past courtesy before Dream finally draws his eyes towards the painting once more. I am displeased, Dream murmurs, that I am changed, in many ways inalterable. He says slowly, eyes lingering on painted frost, dancing across the canvas, whereas it felt as though it crept through his realm and then consumed it. Strange, he considers, how Jessamy used to accuse him of coldness in his manner, wherein he believes he has acted in ways she would much approve of now, and yet, now he genuinely feels cold, whereas before... But perhaps, too, in ways for the better. You have seen inspiration where I could only see failure. Hop frowns, confusion marring his eyes where he seems torn between flattery and confusion. Dream only has to glance aside to read it clearly. He is almost amused. Most nightmares, Dream says, feeling heat leach through ceramic to tingle within his fingers. Exist so that dreamers may confront some aspect of themselves, or their world, or their experiences, so that they may be challenged, so that they may learn, or overcome, or yield. Whether they realize it or not, it is not usually my creations, but the dreamers themselves who set the lesson. My nightmares only embody it for them, dream utters. Being as I am, I do not myself experience dreams or nightmares. I have only my own being to guide me. He pauses, then, to peer down into his own reflection in the cup of chocolate held in his hands. His eyes shine back at him, whirling with distant stars. So I have always believed he concedes to admit softly. He was dream of the endless. What could he be but that? 
Who could tell him how to be what he was, but only his own self? Even his siblings, each only truly understood their own function and purpose, both apex and epicenter of their own existences. What advice could they offer each other on their duties, other than to remain true to them? Not even gods or angels or muses could truly comprehend what it is to be one of the endless. He has been cautioned, threatened, advised, entranced, coaxed and coveted. Lovers have murmured to him sweet dictations, usurpers have carved in blood their vicious demands, and he has remained, in spite of it, ever steadfast. He has only ever changed by no whim but his own, only to have been so desecrated by a mere mortal man that his entire realm crumbled as he did. Dreams grew faint and scattered, nightmares ran rampant, stories turning blank and then vanishing entirely. How much longer he has been forced to wonder would it have taken before the dreaming itself either shattered or chose a new master? He will never be mortal, and he has never feared his sister's gift should it come to him, but... Perhaps it was inevitable. He has long forgotten that he exists not of himself, but of the dreams of others. He is the dreaming, yes, he is the lord of dreams and nightmares, the prince of stories, but dream of the endless would be nothing at all if he were alone. And, as he has learned, he did not like to be alone. But perhaps no longer, Dream muses sweetly, finding a smile for himself as he looks to Hob, who in turn looks quite patiently lost, but unequivocably supportive, and quietly, painfully curious. Dream lets out a puff of air that could be a laugh. <laughs> I am not displeased, Hob, he assures his dearest, only friend. You have shown me what I could not see for myself, and I am grateful for it. You could say I feel... He looks to the painting, lips twitching upwards once more. Inspired. You are not so bad at portraits after all. That's, Hop remarks, looking utterly baffled, is a landscape. Dream cannot quite contain a smirk. It is the dreaming itself, Dream points out. And I am the dreaming, my friend. Hop opens his mouth, closes it, drinks his chocolate, eyes rather wide. He swallows rather loudly. Have I offended you? He inquires, voice thin. 
I have just explained you have not, Grim muses. Hop glares at him. You, his voice turns rich and thick and indignant, are terrible at explaining anything. God, I have been, I have been painting this for nearly a year. I have one up in my bedroom. Johanna has one up in her bedroom. I am not sure why that is so affecting, Dream confesses, finding the energetic reaction of his friend to be rather eliciting in and of itself. Hop was always quite expressive. The dreaming is to be coveted near to sleep. That is rather the purpose, is it not? Hop huffs and puffs for a moment more and then deflects, bowing over himself with a muffled groan of indignity. He brushes his hand roughly through his hair and then flips back upright. All right, he declares. Fine, this is fine. He takes a deep breath and sighs. <sighs> you truly do like it, though. I do, Dream nods, indulging in a smile, if only to reassure. Well, not only. Would you offer it to me? Hob looks buoyantly pleased a moment, and then puzzled, and then his jaw drops indignantly. Are you asking me to set it on fire? Dream will admit he almost said yes, if only to indulge in his friend's no doubt even more excitable reaction, but he did not wish to be unkind, and he has been learning of late that his scale for what can be unkind is unequal to that of others. The exhale of slumping relief was almost as amusing regardless when Dream assured Hop that it would require nothing so seemingly destructive. If Hop permitted, Dream could simply take it into the dreaming with himself. And he does, with Hop Gatling's blessing. Whoa, boss, what is... Hey, that is pretty cool! Matthew flutters down over the throne room as Dream spreads the painting over the floor, the canvas more pliant in this realm than in its own. Your friend did this, right? Not gonna lie, boss, he is getting pretty good. I am sure he would appreciate your admiration, Matthew. Dream muses, feeling over the canvas. He can, in his own realm, more clearly feel Hobbes' vision of the dreaming itself, with all the vigour and curiosity and emboldened awe that so clearly defined the man who would call Dream of the Endless his friend, in sweetness and in spite. 
he can sense the charm his friend found in the frost, the clarity he found in the starkness of light against shadows, the heartsick sort of yearning that called him towards those unreachable stars, and the soft solace that settled somewhere deep in the haze of the distance. Awe and inspiration and darkness, all that which dreams are made of. Are we going to hang this? There's a great stretch of wall just past the... Matthew continues to chatter and natter, Lucienne approaching quietly from behind him, perusing the vision of the canvas herself, until Matthew notices her suddenly standing behind him and squawks in surprise. No, Dream replies, reaching out to plug the edge and casting it into the lift of his hand as he sweeps it off the floor and twines the supple fabric around his shoulders, where it becomes his coat, sparking for a few moments with glints and remnants of colour before it settles and fades once more to perceived black. Where'd it go, boss? Matthew calls, hopping a bit. Boss, where'd it go? Dream ignores the raven, cawing at him indignantly for vanishing the painting when his friend worked so long and so hard on it. Dream, however, runs his fingers down the edge of the lapel and smiles faintly, extending himself across his realm. Where frost creeps through black sands and barren hills, and even into the edges of dreams, perhaps it sparkles just a bit more, glittering in its gliding until even diamonds would be envious. Perhaps the breeze is just a little less bitter, and the stars a little brighter, and the shadows a little deeper and drowsier. And where his realm is empty, where his dreams and nightmares have gone, those are only empty places to prove the dreaming yet has room for them. For them and... and perhaps more. What do you think, Lucien? Dream inquires, turning about to face his advisor and royal librarian once more, coats whirling about his boots, the satin inner lining flickering with starfire. She looks him up and down with immeasurable patience. Immeasurable patience that looks quite near some form of limit. The coat is, perhaps, almost entirely identical to the last in everything but intent. It suits you, she remarks blandly. Are you going out again, milord? Dream tilts his head at her. I am going to work, he replies. She appears relieved. Are we going to get a new dream, sir? she asks, ignoring Matthew still huffing about Dream's new, utterly identical coat that had been a perfectly lovely painting. Dream pauses before giving a small shake of his head. No, he does not have what he needs for new dreams, not yet. However, 
It is time he puts an end to these tremors and cracks that keep his castle from remaining in good repair. I am going to finish a nightmare, he replies.